Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Well, uh, I'm so excited about this portion of Scripture we're going to look at. You can turn in your Bible right now in Luke chapter 5. It's going to be verses 17 through 26. And, you know, this, this story, it has captivated me for about 10 months. In fact, I was going to preach this to the youth group earlier in the year. I ended up getting sick. So I have literally been waiting on this word to preach this story for 10 months. So if I get going, just know it's been in the crock pot for 10 months, okay? I'm sorry. Um, but another thing I want to say before we do read it, again, if you're turning in your Bible, it's Luke 5, 17 through 26. This story is so amazing, but as we get going today, we're going to be talking about what do you do when you're wounded, and we're going to be looking at this incredible story, but if you find yourself saying, man, I wish I could discuss this a little bit more, this story or what is preached today, that is what we do in our life groups at the church. You get to go to people's house, you have dinner, and then you get to discuss this and actually have a Bible study and actually talk and actually pray for each other, and I'm telling you, a story like we're about to read is one that is fun to discuss with people. So let's read this together. And this was a guy, wound would be an understatement for what he had going on in his life. So one day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and the teachers of law were sitting there and they had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And I just want to say right now, The power of the Lord is with Jesus to heal today as well, right? Don't ever fall into the trap of reading these stories and say, oh man, back then, yeah, Jesus was in that city and he could heal people. The power of the Lord is here today to heal. But I will say this, there were some cities that Jesus couldn't do a lot of miracles and it said it was because of unbelief. So in order for this statement to be true about today, we all have to raise our faith and say, yeah, Jesus, come. Come into our city. Come into North Ridgeville. Come into this room right here, right now, because I believe you still are the healing Jesus. Now here's some men that had faith in verse 18. Some men came carrying a a paralyzed man on a mat. And try to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. I don't get to preach enough, so it's coming on me already. So you, somebody needs to start praying for me because this could be a long one. I'm telling you, this story has been ministering to me for 10 months, and I just want you to hear this. Do you ever feel like that guy? Like you just can't get to Jesus? 
Like there's a crowd around him. There's other people that seem to be getting things from Jesus, but for some reason you've been left on the outside. And the biggest problem is you're on the mat. You're paralyzed, so you can't even get to him even if you wanted to. And sometimes you, isn't it true we need some friends that can help us out, Amen. that can get us to Jesus? And, and, and here's the truth is sometimes we're the one on the mat, and sometimes we need to be the friend. In different seasons of life demand a different thing. Amen. And I wanted to say this as I was preparing. I felt the need to say this. Some of you in this room, you have been carrying somebody that is far from Christ for a long time. And the main way you've been doing it is through prayer. And you've been bringing them up and you've been trying to lower them to Jesus. And I want to tell you right now, do not quit. Keep going because they might be paralyzed and they can't move to him themselves. So it's, if it's your son or daughter, whoever that person is that you've been praying for and you keep bringing to Jesus, don't stop because the power of the Lord is available to heal. So they, they break into the house through the roof and they lower him right in front of Jesus. It's a good place to get somebody right in front of him. And Jesus looks at him and he saw their faith. And he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking. Notice they didn't even say anything out loud. He knew what they were thinking. And asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been laying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. I love the progression there of the two things that happened. Number one, Jesus knocked all the religion out of the room. Religion will kill you. In fact, I think we could say a prayer right now if there's any religion in the room. If anybody's here, good thing I'm at church. The Lord is here, and you're checking, and we're, me, I'm, I'm including myself, because I've been in church since I was born, so I can be the most religious of them all. And we're checking off the list, and we're trying to do something to look good, and we're going to follow a tradition. We just need to knock that out of the room, because it'll kill you. It'll kill you. But the person of Jesus and love, that can change something. And here's the thing, too, is... Let's never, ever, ever lose the awe of, of a miracle like this. Can you guys bring yourselves there? I mean, it kind of is like this. Here's the crowd, but we're all shoved into this room. And I guess I have to be Jesus. I'm not, I wouldn't be a very good Jesus, but I'm teaching you. And all of a sudden, there's a little shaking. And then these, t these tiles, the roof, and this person's coming down. And this guy is on a mat. And he's been paralyzed since he was born. He can't move. And then 
You're thinking, well, okay, he's going to heal him. No, he says your sins are forgiven. Then he heals him. Then he says, get up, take your mat, and walk. Can you imagine being that guy? I mean, if I was that guy, I would be jumping. I'd be dancing. I'd be like, I don't need this mat anymore. And, he'd be, and he would be like, these things work. And what would you all be doing if that happened? Because it really did happen. You would say, oh, my goodness. And you'd probably say this. You'd be amazed and you'd give praise to God and you'd be filled with awe. And you would say, we've seen remarkable things today. And again, I'm going to repeat what I said because my job as a preacher is to turn up the faith in the room, is to say, he's still the same Jesus He's still the same Jesus. He still can take any person from a mat, literally paralyzed, emotionally paralyzed, paralyzed by your sin, and he can look at you and say, I forgive you, get up, and walk. So what do we do when we're wounded? We're trying to answer this question. I think I already preached half my notes because of this, I'm so excited about this story. But the first thing you do need to do is you have to admit you're on the mat. You have to admit you're on the mat. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on the mat. You have to admit it. This guy had to say, I'm paralyzed, get me a mat. He had to say, hey, guys, I heard Jesus is coming into town, but there's no way I can get to him. Can you help me? He had to humble himself. I want to tell you a little bit of my friend's story. His name is Tyler Mello. Tyler is one of my best friends from back home in Metro Detroit, and he has an unbelievable story, but really the beginning of his story, a critical moment, is a wound that he incurred. In a, in a path that it took him down that was really dark and rough. So Tyler was engaged to be married to this girl. They were probably, let's say, 20 years old, and they had just given birth to their three-month-old son. And so they decided as a family they were going to move to Florida from Detroit, which if you ever lived Cleveland, Detroit, it's, that was a great move to go to Florida. And so they're going to move to Florida, and so his fiance's parents... His fiance's father was a retired police officer. He had bought a house. So they all moved together, and they get to this house, and the plan is that we're all here now, and you guys are going to raise this child, except when they walked into the back, the, the, his fiance's father handed him an envelope with a one-way ticket back home to Detroit and looked at him in the eyes and said, you aren't welcome here with us. Now, that's a dagger. And just to give a little context to that, see, he was a retired police officer, so he knew the law. You can't move a child more than 100 miles away from the father without their consent. So he had gotten Tyler's consent to go, and then he gave him the plane ticket goodbye. And Tyler, I mean, like I said, he's one of my best friends. We've talked many times, but he said he wept the entire plane ride home. He had never experienced any kind of rejection like that. Few of us probably in this room ever really have. 
And what that, what that spiraled him into was over a decade of using cocaine and selling cocaine. And, and he, he's told me some stories. I mean, he told, I don't have time, but he's told me stories about getting in fights with gangs, and it, it's unbelievable. I wish you were able to spend some time with him. But this whole decade of pain leading to drug addiction, it, it all came to this one hinge point where this police officer is pulling him over, and he finally took a deep breath, and he said to himself, if I don't stop, if I, he said, I wanted to get pulled over because I knew I was going to die. And the officer pulled up to him, and uh, I get emotional because I know how Tyler's story ends, but he said to the officer, the officer said, have you been using cocaine or drugs? He said, yes, and I have more in the car, and I need help. And he went, he went to prison that day. And we're, gonna, we're actually going to finish Tyler's story at the end of this message. But the reality is we all have to come to this place where we say those words, I need help. Amen. You know, the truth is this. The truth isn't that wounded people are just the Tylers of the world. We are all the paralyzed man. Since Adam and Eve sinned, we have lived our lives incurring wounds. Some are self-inflicted. Some are inflicted by others. Some is just that feeling that something is broken. Something is missing. It's like God created this perfect world, but then something went wrong. Even just losing, this is maybe going to sound a little silly, but even just losing your energy you ever just feel so exhausted mentally, emotionally, physically, and you're just like, man, and your back is hurting, and you have a headache, and you, 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 know, you, you want to eat, but then you realize you didn't go to the grocery store, and you just feel like, God, why? Why? It's wounds. It's the pain. It's the brokenness. And the first step to healing is admitting I'm on the mat. Jesus said in Mark 2.17, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. I'm waiting. There it is. I wanted it to be dramatic. Um, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You know, if you're sitting here today and you're like, ah, I showed up, but I don't really need anything from God, you're not going to get anything from God. There we go. Somebody's continuing the preaching. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So I'm going to be the first one to say, I came to church today. I need Jesus. I need him so much. I need him more today than I did yesterday. I need him. I'm so broken. I'm so wounded. I'm so discouraged. My soul is down. I need Jesus. I need contact with my creator. I need it. Do you? I have to admit we're on the mat. Number two, you have to dig the roof. You got to dig the roof. 
Verse 19, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. I think we need to ask a theological question here. Who paid for the roof repair? You know what I'm saying? I, I, I actually gave this question some brain space as I was preparing this. I'm thinking, the homeowner, I don't know, did they have to pay it? Maybe the paralyzed guy? It's like, okay, go get a job because you have a roof repair that you need to pay first thing now that you have legs that are useful. Was it Jesus? I mean, did he just, you know, do one of his miracles where he's like, hey, give me that uh, broom over there, and here's, it's, now it's $200. I don't know. <sighs> you know, I think sometimes the truth that that teaches us is that faith and going to Jesus can be messy. And I really think there is a spiritual principle that I want you to understand is that if you want to get to Jesus, you're going to have to dig the roof. You know, that, that concept of digging the roof can really be summarized in one word. It takes faith. Faith. Do you know how easy it could have been for those friends, they're shimmying along, there's four of them at each corner, they got the guy, they look, oh, the... It's, it's overcrowded. There's, you can't get to him. Bummer. Hmm. Sorry, Joe. Guess you're just going to be paralyzed. You have been your whole life. But they decided that they were going to do something different. And some of you in this room, you need to make a decision that you're going to do something different. You have gotten up to the... Come on, somebody. You've gotten up to the door of Jesus so many times, and you've chosen unbelief every time you've seen him. And you need to make a decision right now of faith that says, I am going to dig the roof. You know, my wife and I have talked about this back and forth, but this is what I'm talking about, the spiritual principle. It's not a magic formula, but... It usually takes about 10 minutes of prayer to really break through, to have God's presence come in with you. And I am not going to be foolish enough to, to not mention this. There's probably many, some or many in this room, you've never even spent 10 minutes in prayer. And that's why I'm preaching this to you. Because I'm telling you that I wish I had a chair. I need a chair. There's so many times in my life where I have gotten to this place where I've been paralyzed, and I just have to sit with him. You just got to sit with God. Where, where my practices and my rhythms have taken me now in prayer, typically the first five minutes with God, I don't even talk. I remember a few weeks ago, I was pacing in my basement. I had been busy as usual. I, I like being busy. I'm a busy person. I have five kids. I have to be busy. And I'm pacing, and I'm kind of praying, and I'm pacing. And, 
and I'm kind of like, okay, and I'm like, okay, God, I'm kind of giving the thumbs up, like I checked in, and I did a little praying, and we're good, and now I'm going to go hang out with Rachel or get ice cream, and I'm trying to get out the room, and the Holy Spirit whispered something and said, will you just sit with me? Hmm. Will you just sit with me? And what I do in my life is I just let that word sit. That word's been sitting in my heart. I let it, I let it just dig into me. Because Jesus, the person of Jesus, has been asking Jesse a question. And finally he, he said it. And his question was, will you sit with me? Will you give me the time of day? You see, it's not... Digging the roof isn't necessarily some impossible thing that nobody can do. It doesn't always require climbing up and lifting someone up on a roof and digging through these tiles and clay and all this stuff. But it does take your faith to sit with him. We can't heal ourselves. You can't heal yourself. You can't forgive your own sin. I... There's a lot of days we can barely make ourselves smile. But Jesus can. And I, I hope you're catching what I'm talking about when it comes to digging the roof. You got to go to Jesus. You got to go to him. And you got to sit with him. Take time. tell you about a, uh, another uh, a moment that changed my life. You know, my parents, they got divorced probably when I was 22, and probably that's the, the, the toughest wound that I've incurred, one of, the, one of the top two or three. And you know, it's complicated, right? There's really not anybody for me to be mad at. They made a decision. Should I be mad at God for letting me be born into a family where the parents get divorced? It's just a wound. And I remember I was at this conference. It was a leadership conference, and I had been sitting in it, and they had the chapel open where you could go and pray at any time. And I think it had been a couple years since my parents had been divorced, and I had tried to get some healing and tried to pray, and it, it had been just a hard thing. I think it had really made me lose a lot of trust in everybody because I felt like the two most trustworthy people in my life came up fraud in a way. I had a lot of pain. And the Holy Spirit... I felt start to draw me to just go to the chapel. I didn't know why. I don't even think I was thinking about my parents' divorce at the time. But finally, I got myself to the chapel. I sat down, and I'm telling you, and I had never, I had never cried like that before, but it was like God chose that moment to heal me. And I remember I sat there. I began to contemplate my parents being divorced, and I just began to weep. And, and some of you know what I'm talking about, the kind of weeping your whole body 
Your whole soul, your whole being is weeping. And, and that's the thing about when God heals you is it's not like he fixes it and, and, and it makes everything perfect, but he knew how to come into my heart in a way where he just, he sat in with me. He hugged me as I wept through their divorce. I, I was in there for maybe 20, 30 minutes, looked like a mess. And God, he really began a healing work in my life. Let me tell you one more moment that has changed my life. You know, I, as a parent, I, I work all day and then I, I put my kids to bed and um, many of you can relate or you understand the wear and tear of getting to the end of your day. So I had the same kind of routine probably that most people do. I would put my, my at the time I think I had two kids. This was probably five years ago. I put Harper to bed. She was easy to put to bed. Then I put Caleb to bed. It was kind of like signing up to go to Vietnam. And, <laughs> and so it'd be like, you know, Harper, like, good night, one minute, and then Caleb, one hour of war. He still has a lot of trouble going to bed. God bless him. And, uh, and I remember I would always, often, I would step out of his room and I would do one of the same three things. I would go get food, typically ice cream, uh, go to a screen, the phone, right, watch a show, something, or um, I would go talk to Rachel. And I'm assuming most of us are similar in our choices when we kind of get to that point of the day where the day is expiring, or at least your work is done. But finally, this one day, I remember my, uh, my bed was here, and the doorway was in like this, and I could have went this way, but I finally hit my knees at my bed. And I just remember, I just started saying, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm so tired, night after night. I'm so tired. And my plan was to just vent to God for like 10, 15 seconds and get out of there. But I'm telling you, his presence came into that room, and I ended up having this prayer session and I, I got to my feet, and I started to feel his grace and his love and his peace, and I started praying about other things, and it was amazing. And you know what the crazy thing was? It took all the exhaustion right out, and I, I went leaping and bounding out of that room. I'm like, I'm ready to put Caleb to bed again. <laughs> and here's, here's why that moment changed my life. Because now every single night when I step out of my kid's room, I'm so ruined. Every night the same thing happens. I think to myself, ice cream, phone, Rachel, they can't satisfy me. And so often now, I find a place to pray. A lot of times, and it's hard to do, if you're married, you understand I'll look at Rachel, and I'll say, I got to go pray. And I'll breeze right by her, even though we had not, have not had time to connect that day. And I get to be with God. And guys, the principle that I'm talking about right now is digging the roof. 
Do you know still every single night, my flesh, I don't want to pray. But I have to tell myself, dig the roof again. Because Jesus is sitting in the same spot. And he's got a couple things that he can say. And he can touch me when I'm on the mat. Because God knows that that's the point of my day when I'm on the mat. And he heals me. And I want to encourage you, friend, to dig the roof. Dig it. It's easy to get to the door and turn away, but dig it. It takes effort and faith to get to God. So what do you do when you're wounded? You got to admit you're on the mat. You got to dig the roof. And then lastly, number three, you have to realize that he loves you even before you're healed. He loves you before he heals you. Jesus' first words to this guy in verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Do you notice this guy didn't even repent? He didn't even say sorry for his sins. That is the unimaginable, unfathomable, non-human love of God. They didn't even say hello. He just looks at him. The first time they're ever meeting, Jesus looks at him and he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Wow. What if we approached each other like that, with that kind of grace? Friend, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. So much love in that statement. So much power in that statement. Your sins are forgiven. I was listening to a podcast a couple months ago from a pastor. His name is Tyler Staten. He, he um, is a pastor over in Portland. And he was talking about how he gained victory in the area of pornography. It was amazing what he said. Catch this. He said, yeah, I did the things that you need to do. I had some mentors. I had some accountability. I would confess specifically what was going on. I would confess what I needed and wanted to do. But this is what he said. He said, the way that I found freedom, I don't want you to miss this. He said, the way that I found freedom is is, is almost underwhelming. He said in his relationship with God, he actually began to believe that God loved him after he failed. I'm going to say that again because I think there's some people in this room that need to hear this. He began to truly believe that God loved him after he failed. When we begin to realize that it's a relationship with Jesus, that he loves you even when you stumble.
Even, even when you spit in God's face, when you spit in Jesus' face, he looks at you and he says, I love you. I created you. And as I've had this revealed to me, I'm telling you, it has begun to do what it's done for this pastor. It's begun to set me free. And, and what happens, and, and maybe it's happened for you, I pray that it would, you start to say, I don't want to spit in your face anymore. How can I? I feel like I, I kick you, I push you aside. I run out of the room. And you keep looking at me, I'm on the mat, and you keep saying, friend, your sins are forgiven. Again and again. And I pray that the grace of God and his love would set you free. I need to tell you this story, this testimony in my own life. I had a gluten allergy for seven years. I know what you're thinking, and it's true. That was no pizza or donuts for seven years. Talk about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> and <clears throat> I, was, I was a youth pastor at this church in Metro Detroit, Victory Christian Church, and there was a Brazilian congregation that met on Sunday evenings there. And I, I went to kind of visit them. They had kind of known me a little bit, and so I went to visit them and Pastor Rodrigo. And I'm telling you, from the moment I stepped foot in that service, the presence of God was so strong. And I could feel his love and his, just his grace and I remember the whole time, the service, hour and a half, two hours, I have no idea how long it was. God is just ministering to me. And it was as if my, like, let me say it like this, like I was so tightly wound. And during that time of that service with worship and the, the pastor and the ministry, it was like God was just unraveling me. Some of the burdens I had been holding on to, I was able to lay down. And I just felt this stress and this peace. It was almost like God's presence was like an oil that just had come in and just started filling everywhere, it like, an, like an ointment, a salve in all the places that I was tight. And I remember Pastor Rodrigo prayed over me. And so the service ends. And... Uh, the, the, they say, oh, Pastor Jesse, Pastor Jesse, oh, you know, we have pizza here, and come, you're our guest. And, you know, like, I wish everybody was like Brazilian people, or honestly, just not American, <laughs> let's be honest. And, uh, and so, <clears throat> some of you got that. The rest of you are acting very American at that joke. <laughs> and so, anyway, the, uh, they say, Pastor Jesse, Pastor Jesse, I'm, oh, I feel so loved. You're all touching me. And, and they say, we have pizzas, and they have these huge pizzas. And what, what started to come was what I had said to people for the past seven years. I have a gluten allergy. I can't eat that. But I'm telling you, the presence of God had been so strong. It was still on me in that moment. I said, I'll take a piece of pizza. And I ate that piece of pizza, and my stomach felt complete peace. And you know what I said? I said, I'll take another one. <laughs> and so I eat a second piece of pizza. 
And I'm telling you right now, I have never looked back. I can eat gluten, bread, anything, and I have, have not had any stomach problems like I was having where I would, I don't want to get into what would happen to me. Uh, but it was, it was really, really bad. And, and here's the thing, I want, I, want to, I want you to catch this, okay? Catch this. I did, I did not even think anything about that gluten problem that I had during that whole service. They did not pray over me. I didn't ask God to do that. Nothing like that. It's the power of God's presence. There's healing. There's healing in his presence. There's healing. I, I asked the Lord, I said, God, what do you want to say this morning, right now? What, I asked him probably a few days ago, what do you want to say? And he said two things, and I'm going to say them clearly to you because I want you to hear them. He said, I want the church to hear two things. Number one, friend, your sins are forgiven. And number two, get up and walk. He wants you to know this morning that you're forgiven and you're healed. He has it available for every single person in this room. Can everybody bow, bow your head right now? We're going to pray together. I hope that right now my voice is just background noise and you can have a meeting, a quiet meeting with the Holy Spirit of God. In fact, we invite the Holy Spirit to be here, to be ministering, to be present in this room. And if some of you aren't familiar with him, imagine your best friend, your wife, and perfection all wrapped up into a person. And I want to ask this question. Are you in this room and you've never received his forgiveness of your sins? Are you in this room and you've come to the door where Jesus is, but you have always turned and went out? And right now you're right in front of him and you need to say, Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I want you to come in and be with me. And you're ready in this moment to repent, to turn and say, I would, I would be headed toward destruction. When I die and stand before you, it would be judgment for me because my sins are not forgiven and I need them to be and I need to be right with you. And you're saying, lower me through the roof. I got to get to you right now. And if that's you, I want you to raise up your hand up to God, and I'm going to pray for you. Anywhere across the room, you would say, I need, I need salvation. I need to know that I'm right with God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, anybody else? Raise up your hand. We're going to pray together. <laughs> Let's all repeat this prayer together. Nothing magical about these words, but we pray together here at Harvest Ridge. And even if you didn't raise your hand, you can pray this prayer from your heart and you will know that you are saved from hell and you get heaven because of the grace of Jesus. So we're going to pray. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for my rebellion. I invite you in right now. Jesus, forgive me. Set me free. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Well, I left you with a cliffhanger with Tyler Mello's story, and so I want to finish that. So he, he's in the car. He says to the police officer, he says, I need help. So he ends up in, in prison. He finds the chaplain. He finds the group of guys. He gets saved. Tyler got saved while he was in prison. But I want to take you into this moment that he had. He said he was, do I still have this chair? He said he was sitting on the, in the 11th floor. And I want to read it because I, I wrote it down the exact way he told it to me. He said, I was sitting in the 11th story prison cell. And I was reading my Bible, he said. And I read these words. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And he said, I began to pray for the first time for the family that had rejected me and the father that had given me the one-way plane ticket away. And he said, I began to feel warmth and I began to cry. And he said, that was the first time that I ever felt the Holy Spirit. And he said, he looked up and there was a little window in his prison cell and he could see the sunlight beaming in. And he said, I started to reflect on all the wrong things that I had done and how God had forgiven me. And he was able to offer that forgiveness to them. And then he said, I realized that I was the most free I had ever been sitting in a prison cell. The most free that he had ever been sitting in the prison cell. Can we all stand together? And the, the scripture says this in Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And here's what I really want to do right now is I just want to bring us into that room where Jesus is. And I really feel in my spirit that there's some in this room, maybe all of us, and the wounds of of 2023, the wounds of your life are deep, they're strong, and you just need, I mean, you, you feel it in your spirit right now. You just need to get to Jesus. You just, you just need to get through the roof. You need to clear everything out of the way. You don't care who's watching. You don't care if the, the religious Pharisee people are whispering stuff. You just need to get to Jesus, and you're just like, just heal me. I just want your presence. I want to feel something. And what I'm going to ask you to do is just come to the altar. I mean, right now as I'm talking, just come up. You could imagine this is the roof right here. And some of you just need to break through the roof so you can come. And we are going to sing a song. We're going to sing a song. And this song literally is all about how you're asking God to tear off the roof. To tear off the roof because I just want to get to you. And so again, I mean, I'm, I just, let me say it like this. I just want to encourage some freedom in this room. If you just want to step out in the aisle, if you need to get on your knees, if you need to 
but just bow your head. Whatever you need to do to get to him. Like I said, if you want to come worship where there's no one around you, if you need to come forward, if you need to go back to the back wall, if you need prayer, there are people available to pray for you all up here. Whatever it is you need to do to get to Jesus, go to him right now because I'm telling you. Can we read this verse, this last verse before the worship team goes? says this, they had come from everywhere to hear Jesus, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. If you have a physical illness or ailment, and you want prayer for that, we're going to pray for it today. If it's emotional, whatever it is, if you just drive because you've been so far from God's presence, right now, His healing is available.